0: Welcome to the GUT Podcast on the paper, Effects of IBD Medications and COVID-19 Outcomes. Results from an international registry published in paper copy in GUT in March 2021. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of GUT and Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Dr. Ryan Ungaro, who is an assistant professor at the Division of Gastroenterology, Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, New York, USA. Dr. Ungaro is the first author in this excellent paper. Dr. Ungaro, thank you so much for joining me today to do this podcast, especially at this very difficult time in the world. And once again, congratulations on your excellent paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your study in your paper and explain why researching this area is so important.
1: Absolutely. Well, well. thanks again for having me. It's a real honor to uh, be doing this podcast for GUT. And so the background for this really was as the COVID-19 pandemic was starting, myself and my colleagues, and I'm sure gastroenterologists taking care of IBD patients around the world, were encountered with very nervous and anxious patients, and and ourselves not being very unsure about what was going to be the impact of COVID 19 on our on our ID patients, particularly those on uh, immunosuppressive agents and other medications. And it was literally every other uh, message we were getting from patients, and every visit we were having with patients that was coming up. And then as the pandemic took off, this became obviously a, a very urgent question. And so, as part of an effort to understand how COVID-19 was going to impact IBD, we uh, at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York partnered with our colleagues led by uh, Mike Kappelman and and Erica Brenner at the University of North Carolina, uh, also in the the U.S., to create the Secure IBD Registry, which for those who aren't familiar, is an online web-based platform, a database where providers from around the world could report cases of COVID-19 and IBD patients with the goal of understanding how patient demographics, clinical characteristics, and and different medications affected patient outcomes when patients had a confirmed case of COVID-19. And so we did an initial paper on findings of the first 500 patients from this database, uh, initially published in gastroenterology, where we did a a very initial look um, to find out what medications or demographics were affecting patient outcomes. And and some of the initial signals we saw were that patients who were older or had multiple comorbidities were having worse outcomes, having more severe COVID-19, either ICU admission, intubation, or or dying from COVID-19, which is consistent with the general epidemiology. Um, And we also saw that there were some signals for medications, albeit in a smaller subset of patients, for steroids, any kind of corticosteroids worsening outcomes, and also anti-TNF medications uh, appear to have no impact or maybe a slightly protective effect against severe COVID-19. So as we accrued more patients, uh, you know, sadly, as the pandemic exploded around the world, we were able to then start to look more detail at different types of medication classes and different combinations of medications that traditionally Uh, have been thought to increase risk of infection or poor outcomes, such as combination therapy and and steroids. And so that led us to do an updated, expanded analysis uh, of over 1,400 patients to examine how different types of medications and medication classes were impacting COVID-19 outcomes.
0: Thank you. That's very clear and very interesting. And of course, COVID-19 has dominated the gastroenterology world and, and everybody's world, really, for the last period of time. So what are the new findings your study, your paper has, uh, and registry has found? Sure, so in,
1: in this updated analysis, we had really two major questions. One was, do patients on anti-TNF monotherapy compared to patients on combination therapy, so combination therapy being anti-TNF plus a thiopurine, either azathioprine a or 6-mercaptopurine, or and also, patients on thioperine monotherapy, are they at different risk for severe COVID 19? And then the second major question was Are patients on other classes of biologics, in addition to anti TNF, so anti IL 12, 23 agents, uh, such as ustakinabab, and also anti integrins, such as vetalizumab, did they have a differential risk of severe COVID 19? And what we saw was, number one, that compared to anti-TNF monotherapy, so that was the comparative group, patients on combination therapy with a ethylopurine or a ethylopurine alone appeared to have an increased risk of severe COVID-19, so composite outcome of ICU intubation or dying from COVID-19, which made sense in terms of prior research suggesting that combination therapy in particular may increase the risk of certain infections. And uh, one thing that was important to note is that the vast majority of events uh, that we saw in this expanded analysis were in older patients, and so really these results probably are most important in elderly patients or older IBD patients age 60 and over. And then the second thing that we noticed uh, that we observed was that patients on anti-TNF monotherapy had similar outcomes to those on anti-IL12/23 monotherapy. And also on anti-integrin therapy. So it seemed that the patients on monotherapy with three major classes of biologics have similar outcomes and that those outcomes in general are relatively favorable. And so I think that the major take-home message from these updated analyses were number one, I think in general, these are reassuring data that the risk factors for IBD patients seem to mirror the epidemiologic factors for the general population, and that it tends to still be older patients with multiple comorbidities that are not doing well. Two, that patients on biologic therapy can safely stay on their medication. However, I think another a takeaway here that needs to be validated in other, other studies is that if you're on combination therapy with a thiopurine and an anti-TNF, or perhaps thiopurine monotherapy, if those patients are able to de-escalate or change therapy, this may be another reason to try and de-escalate from combination therapy in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, That's very clear. So on from that, you've already alluded to it somewhat, but uh, how might this impact on clinical practice in the foreseeable future for IBD patients?
1: For my own personal practice, and I think for a take-home for clinical practice in general, I think this is overall very reassuring that patients on biologics should continue on biologics and that they are likely at no significantly increased risk compared to patients not on biologics if they were to get COVID-19, which I think is an important message that we still need to maintain patients with IBD in in remission, doing well, getting their, keeping their disease controlled, and that COVID-19 should not greatly impact our prescribing patterns related to biologics. I do think that this is perhaps another reason to evaluate patients on combination therapy uh, with anti-TNF and a for possible de-escalation. This is something that we usually do anyway in clinical practice. So patients who have been in remission for some time on combination therapy or have Other risk factors, perhaps, for severe COVID-19, these are patients that, in a shared decision-making conversation, consider de-escalating therapy, trying to stop the thioperium. And then lastly, I think the other clinical takeaway here is that we also saw, again, that corticosteroids were associated with severe COVID-19 outcomes in in this paper as well. And that, as we were always doing even before the COVID-19 pandemic, this is just another reason to try and limit Our use of corticosteroids and get patients on steroid-bearing therapy. So, in general, um, I would say that these data are are reassuring and sort of reinforce a lot of our practice patterns from before the COVID-19 pandemic, and I wouldn't necessarily dramatically change things other than just saying that this is another uh, potential reason to look at de-escalating combination therapy.
0: Okay, thank you. Again, uh, that's very clear. So, how might your your study impact on research priorities in the um, near and foreseeable future?
1: Like all registry based studies, essentially this is a retrospective cohort. I think they deserve uh, and need to have validation in other, ideally prospective or population based cohorts because it was a voluntary porting system that we used, albeit it was you know, obviously a great outpouring from the international IBD community and a great international collaborative effort to, to try to gain some information as rapidly as possible in the face of COVID-19. I think that these findings, particularly the ones related to thiopurines uh, and combination therapy, should be replicated in population-based cohorts or a prospective study, number one. Uh, number two, I think that future research um, would be very interesting because all the patients we looked at in this cohort were IBD patients, and I think future research will would be very interesting to focus on comparing IBD patients to non-IBD patients, or IBD patients to say patients with other immune-mediated conditions, on other types of immunosuppression or similar types of immunosuppression to see if there's a differential effect. Uh, compared to more healthy controls or patients with other rheumatologic conditions, for example. And there are other registries currently for other rheumatologic conditions that are, for example, collecting data on rheumatoid arthritis, lupus patients, psoriasis patients. And there are efforts underway to try to pool data and look across different immune diseases. But I think that all of these findings should be should be replicated, particularly in a population-based or prospective cohorts. Um, and that's that's really the major direction that I think needs to happen, and I think actually particularly in in a lot of the European nations where you have more of a centralized national healthcare system with very good national databases, somewhat unlike in the United States where we have a bit of a fractured healthcare system with different insurance systems and not a a nationwide registry-type database we can point to, Um, I think there's a a large opportunity there to look at some of these national population-based cohorts that I know are a little more readily available in Europe. And then just the one last point that I, I didn't get into in too much detail because it's a topic of still ongoing investigation and secure is that we saw mixed signals for mesalamines and the association of mesalamines with COVID-19 outcomes in this paper as well, where some of the analyses showed an increased risk and others showed no increased risk. And I think that is something that was a very surprising finding in our initial look at these data that misalamines in the very first paper seem to be associated with a three to fourfold increased risk of severe outcomes. But I think that story is evolving and is something that we hope to clarify both through Secure and, and I think other researchers are looking at this as well, because traditionally misalamine has been the cornerstone initial therapy for ulcerative colitis patients and has not traditionally been associated with uh, risk of infection. So I think those are the major research priorities going forward for uh, IBD and COVID-19.
0: Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Ungera. I think it's a really, clearly a very important area for IBD patients, but COVID-19 in general. So thank you very much for talking us through all that today. And thank you for doing this podcast. Once again, congratulations on your fantastic paper being published in GUT. And for the listeners, thank you for listening. If you want to read the paper, the link is underneath um, the podcast that you're listening to, and we hope that you'll join us in the future for future good podcasts.